Hello and welcome to Glory Life Teaching Ministries. I'm so excited to be bringing to you the word of life. Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What a wonderful day. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's say a word of prayer this morning. Let's praise the Lord. Let's thank Him. Father, we thank you. We praise your name. We give you all the praise. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your wonderful works. Father, we thank you for that which you have done in our lives throughout this year. Since the beginning of this year, Father, we have seen your goodness. We have seen your faithfulness. And this morning, we have come to return all the glory and all the honor unto you. We appreciate you, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have given unto us to help us in our walk with you. We appreciate you, Jesus. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we will be concluding our teachings on the love of Christ. And we... We title to this message, the royal law. Praise the Lord. There's so much about this topic of love that I believe we could even continue these teachings uh, to the end of the year. And even if we were to even use one year, we will still be discovering more about the love of Christ. And in a minute, we are going to be looking at scriptures proving that the love of Christ is so deep that we will need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand his love. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So please stay with us. Share with your friends as we dive into scriptures. Holy Spirit will welcome you. You are our teacher. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you and thank you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's go to the book of Psalms 89. We used this verse of scripture last two weeks. Psalms 89. And I want you to take notice of something in Psalms 89, verse 33. Psalms 89, 33. Psalms 89, 33. Glory to God. Psalms 89, verse 33. And I want you to meditate on this verse. Uh, to those of you who are believing God for breakthrough, to those of you who maybe somebody is watching right now or somebody is going to be watching us that is that has come to a point where they feel like God has disappointed them or, or things have not worked for them the way they wanted. I, I want you to be encouraged with this scripture. Here the Lord is telling David that he will keep his message with David and to his seed also. 
and that even if David was to forsake, if the children of David was to forsake his laws and his judgment and his and break his status and his commandments, he will punish them. He will visit them with the rod. And verse 33, he went on to say this. They said, nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Amen. So those who, there are a lot of Christians that believe that in this dispensation that we are right now, uh, they still have to be confessing sins and begging God to forgive them. And some Christians believe that the reason why things are not working for them is because of their sins. Well, if you are that type of Christian, I just want to encourage you here that the loving kindness of God and his faithfulness will not fail in your life. So if, if that is your belief, it's not the right way, to, that's not the right way. But if this is what you believe, then you believe that your sins is separating you from God and God is not reaching out to you because of your sins, then be encouraged with this creature. Take courage from this creature. Take strength from this creature that the loving kindness of God will not depart from you and his faithfulness will not fail in your life. Hallelujah. But if you are a Christian, if you are a believer who studies scriptures consistently and you believe that your sins and your iniquities are forgiven, that sin is not the reason why God is not reaching out to you or you are not getting what you desire from God, but rather it is because you have not really understood who you are in Christ, I will have good news for you, that you are on the path to receiving that breakthrough from the Lord. And if you believe that is your sins, you are still on the path to, uh, to receiving your breakthrough. You just have to be encouraged that his loving kindness and his faithfulness will not fail in your life. Therefore, you will get that breakthrough. Hallelujah. So whatever breakthrough you believe, whatever miracle you, are, you, you want from the Lord, I have a prediction for you. You will surely receive that miracle in the name of Jesus Christ. That as a believer, nothing is standing your way from receiving that miracle. It is just that you haven't come to a point of adequate knowledge to receive it. You haven't come to a point of what? Adequate knowledge to receive it. You see, knowledge is very important. How much knowledge you possess in the kingdom determines how much you receive from the Father. God is a God of knowledge in whom actions are weighed. You see that? That's what he said about the book, uh, uh, he, he said that in First Samuel, when Hannah was praying to God, she said that prophetic. I said, God is a God of knowledge in whom actions are weighed. And then you will see that concerning Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not sure whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or the other king. When God spoke prophetically concerning him, that he has been weighed in the balances and he's found wanton. You see, so God weighs us. Not to determine how heavy you are, but he weighs the knowledge that we have of him, the knowledge that we have of him in order to determine his interventions in our lives. So knowledge is very important. L listen carefully. Knowledge is power. 
knowledge is power. I, I want I, I there's I can't overemphasize on this point. Knowledge is power. The more knowledgeable you are in the things of God, the more power you will have. Uh, don't be deceived when you see people falling under the uh, under the anointing of God and people roll on the floor and you see demons being cast and you you equate that to power. That 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 is just an aspect of power. In fact, the word power in scriptures is 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 really defined is the definition of the word power in most cases is the ability to do something. The ability to do what to do something. You know, the grace to execute something is not just to cast out demons. No, what happens when those demons leave those people? Have you ever asked yourself that way? What happens when you cast a demon after somebody? Now, Jesus said that when a demon is cast after somebody, this demon will go around looking for a place to stay, dry places in the earth here. If he doesn't find a place to stay, he will come back to his own estate. You see, he will come back to the person where, where this demon used to live to find out if that place is still empty. You see that? And if it is empty, not only will he enter that person, he will go and bring several more powerful demons to come and dwell in that person so that that person's first case will be worse and his present predicament will be worse than his previous ones. So, Casting out demons from people and you know prophesying people and all those things is not really you can't judge that by the power of God. The the power of God can only be judged in a person's life by how transformed that person is. Hallelujah. So that this is just an aspect of God's power. God's power really have to do with your transformation, your knowledge, your knowledge in the kingdom. If you look at this word, this naturally. The people who, who possesses knowledge are the one ruling those who have physical strength. Now, have you noticed that? In America here and elsewhere in this Western world, they pay people more to use their brains than people to use their hands. You see that? People who get paid more are the ones using their brains. They are the ones with knowledge. The ones who get paid less are the ones with physical strength. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And if you read the whole book of Proverbs, Proverbs is all about knowledge. The beginning of Proverbs, first, first chapter of Proverbs, he said, because you have rejected my knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord, when your calamity comes, he said, I also will laugh at you. You will call me, you will cry, you will do fasting and prayers. I will not hearken to your voice. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, will make you free. So we've been talking about the love of Christ almost two months now. I think, I think, I think there is a third month or so we've been talking about the love of Christ. Let me say this. The more knowledgeable you are about the love of Christ, the more freedom you will enjoy, the more healing you will enjoy, the more protections you will enjoy, the more peace and prosperity you will enjoy. This is the truth. This is the truth. 
And if it is, if there is one knowledge of God that you need to know, if there is one aspect of God that you need to know, it is his love. It is his what? His love. If there is one area of God you need to know, you need to understand, and you need to build yourself in that area, it is understanding his love. Here in the old covenant, you see God telling David, he said, if his children should break his covenant, his status, if his children should sin against him, he will punish them. He will punish them like a father will punish his children for disobeying him or acting wrongly. But his loving kindness, he will not take away from them. And his faithfulness will not fail in their lives. So understand, understand the, 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 the knowledge of God here. That in the Old Testament, if they sin against him, he will punish them all right. But his loving kindness he will not take away from them completely. His faithfulness will not fail in their lives. That was what God said concerning them in the Old Testament. Now, how much more those of us in the New Testament? And I want to conclude this series by showing you something so powerful that I believe it will change your life forever. I believe so strongly it will change your life forever. Praise the Lord. So, Paul and, and uh, 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 the Lord was telling David here, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. That is Psalms 89, verse 33. Now, verse 34 says that my covenant will I not break, nor utter the things that is gone out of my lips. He said, once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. So you see that the reason why he, God will not break his covenant to David and to his children was all because of what? His loving kindness. It was all because of his loving kindness and his faithfulness. Because of his loving kindness and his faithfulness, he said he will not break his covenant, nor alter the things that are gone out of his lips. Hallelujah. I wanted to title this message, Love, the Essence of Creation. Maybe I should change it to that way because it gives you the correct understanding why God created things. The reason why God created things was because of his love. Because of his what? His love. God, look at uh, uh, John, uh, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave. In other words, whatever God has created, inside everything God made, he, he, he embedded inside that thing his love. So God embedded love into his creation. He embedded love into everything that he ever created. If love is not found in everything God created, it will have no meaning. It will be lifeless. It will be what? It will be lifeless. If love is not embedded into anything God created, that thing will be lifeless. It will have no meaning. Praise the Lord. It's, it's as simple as that. So if you want to understand why God created the universe, if you want to understand why God created the end, if you want to understand what, what God, why God created you, 
it is because of his love. It is because of what? His love. Love is the essence of creation. Please write this down as a comment. Love is the essence of God's creation. You see, that is why whatever we do here on earth as believers, if it is not love motivated, the scripture says it profits us what? Nothing. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 13. He said, even though if I give my body to be burnt, if I give all that I have to the poor, and if I don't do this in love, if I don't have the God kind of love at work in me, if I don't have the agape type of God in me, if I don't have charity in me, he said, it profits me what? Nothing. It profits profit me nothing. So why do you think that God will create the earth if love wasn't the motivating factor? If love was not embedded into his creation, so I can say with every boldness, I can say, I can say with every confidence, the love is the essence of God's creation. Love is the essence of creation. So that is all. Whatever we do, we must do it in love, or else it will not make sense. It will have no meaning. It will have no meaning. You see, that is why, for example, you see the celebrities, you know, this so-called stars, they call themselves stars, but we all know that they are not stars. You know, there's only one bright and morning star. His name is Jesus Christ. And to those of us who are born again, we shall be called stars. We shall shine like the firmament of the stars. So that is why you see these people, they go out there and they do some, you know, charity works. But that cannot qualify them to, 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 to have the life of Christ that cannot qualify them to receive the praise of God or the approval of God. Why? Because there is no love in their heart. There's no love in their heart. And who is love? Christ Jesus is love. He is the beloved. So the moment you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have received the love of Christ. You have received what? You have received the love of Christ. So, so that whatever you do, can be classified as an act of love. Can be classified as what? An act of love. So we cannot classify all that these people do in the world as an act of love. It is only we, the believers, when we do things like that, it can be classified as an act of love because we have the love of Christ in us. We have the beloved in us. So our actions are love motivated. And our works are loved defined praise the lord so it's very important for you to understand this now another scripture i want you to take note note of as we run up this series is psalms 103 the psalmist began to say he said bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name and then he said bless the lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits hallelujah all his benefits what are the benefits of God according to this, the psalmist? He says, number one, who forgives all our iniquities. He said, that is why I was trying to make a contrast between those who believe that God is not manifesting their life because they are in sin or they are not able to get rid of some sins in their life. That's why God is not manifesting. Now, the reason why you are even involved in that sin 
in the first place because you don't understand the love of Christ. You don't have knowledge of who you are in Christ. You don't have the knowledge of your new you. You don't have knowledge of your new self. The real you is the person that has never sinned and will not commit sin. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. So the real you cannot sin. The part of you that is sinning is your flesh, is your body. That according to scriptures, that body ought to be crucified with Christ on the cross. That body ought to have died on the cross. But because you don't understand it, you are still, that body is still alive, causing you to fall into sin. But the real you, your spirit man, that is in union with the Holy Spirit, cannot sin. Because that man is sealed with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So when you are sinning, it is not your spirit man sinning. It is your flesh. It is your body sinning. And that is why it's so important to understand who you are in Christ. That I believe is one of the most important teachings every believer should try to understand. Who am I in Christ Jesus? Your new nature in Christ. You need to understand who you are in Christ, what Christ did for you, your union with Christ. You need to understand that that will free you from the power of sin. Praise the Lord. So you see that the psalmist is talking here that one of the benefits you as a believer you need to understand is that all your iniquities are what are forgiven. You see, this is in the Old Testament that the psalmist even have wisdom to tell us that all our sins are what are forgiven. Who forgives all that iniquities? Not one. God will not forgive you today and hold it against you tomorrow. You see, man can forgive you today and tomorrow he will hold that sin against you. But when God says he has forgiven you, he will not remember your sins. It's once and for all he has forgiven you. He will not remember that sins. Hallelujah. So I have goodness for somebody right now. God has forgiven you. He will not remember that sin again. He will not remember that sin. He's not holding that sin against you. And the reason you are not getting your breakthrough is not because of that sin. The reason you are having that break, you are not receiving that breakthrough is you haven't understood the love of God for your life. You haven't taken advantage of God's love. You haven't taken advantage of what? God's love. You haven't taken advantage of God's love. Praise the Lord. That, that is why you need to understand these two characters in the Bible. David and Saul. They were both kings. Saul was the king first before David. Look at the sins both committed. All Saul did was to sacrifice. He didn't wait for Samuel. And then when Samuel came, and he grabbed Samuel's skirt, he tore Samuel's skirt, Samuel turned and said, listen, your kingdom has been taken away, has been torn away from you and given to your neighbor that is better than you. So in the sight of God, which sin should be more grievous? But David, David committed adultery. That's number one. Number two, David went further after committing adultery to commit murder. Yet, God forgave David, restored the kingdom of David, but rejected the kingdom of Saul, took away the kingship from Saul, and gave it to David. Why? Have you ever meditated on these two characters in the Bible? 
The reason is that David understood the love of the Father. He understood the place for forgiveness. He understood. He understood how to tap into the message of God. How to receive the love of God. Look at what he said in Psalms 89, verse 33. He said, nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take away from you. That's why David prayed that prayer in Psalms 51. And David is telling us that this is the benefit we as believers, we have in Christ Jesus. Who forgives all our iniquities. Who healed all our diseases. You see that? He does not only forgive you of your sins, he also heals all your diseases. So anyone watching right now that is sick, receive your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. From the crown of your head to the source of your feet, I release the healing power of Jesus Christ upon you. Be healed in Jesus' name. I rebuke that sickness in your body. I rebuke that disease in your body. I rebuke that pain in your body. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that migraine is gone in Jesus' name. That headache is gone in Jesus' name. That cough is gone in Jesus' name. That demonic code that has been torturing you, tormenting you, is leaving you right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That disease that has been eating you up, I command it to leave your body in the name of Jesus Christ. Be loose from that sickness. Be loose from that disease. Be loose from that infirmity. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, receive your healing right now. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Begin to confess, I am healed in Jesus' name. My body is completely healed in the name of Jesus Christ. From the crown of my head to the source of my feet, I am healed by the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because God is interested in your healing. Who healed all your diseases. So all your diseases are healed in the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how many diseases are in your body. I declare all of them healed in Jesus name. You are healed of all diseases. You are healed of all sicknesses. You are healed of all pains and aches. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, receive it in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say, I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive it in Jesus' name. You can put it as a, as a comment. I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Verse 4 says that, Who redeemed thy life from destruction, who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. You see that? He said, who redeems your life from distractions? And most Christians don't believe that. He said, who redeems your life from distractions? He redeems your life from distractions. So whatever distractions the enemy planned for you, I have good news for you. The Lord has redeemed you from that distraction. So it is, that is what I was, as I was you know, talking about knowledge. You need to know these things. You need to understand this. So no matter what distractions the enemy has planned for you, it will not stand. It will not stand. It will not stand. 
Why? Because the scripture says he redeems your life from distractions. He redeems your life from distractions. The Father has redeemed my life from distractions. I am redeemed from distractions. I am redeemed from distractions. Hallelujah. So no, let them try. They can do the all the demons in here, they can all gather together against me. It won't work. It won't work because before I was born, the father redeemed my life from distractions. And now I am in Christ Jesus. My life cannot suffer distractions. No. I am in Christ Jesus. I cannot be destroyed. I am a supernatural being. I'm not a common man. I'm not a mere man. Divinity dwells in me. Inside me is immortality. The life of Christ that is immune to sicknesses and diseases and to distractions. Hallelujah. To distractions. So no matter how many spells and enchantments that they are casting against your life, I command them destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be loose from that spell in the name of Jesus Christ. Be loose from that diabolical power in the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord redeems you from that destruction in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Who redeems thy life from destruction, from destruction, from destruction. Everyone that is being held captive right now in any demonic shrine, in any demonic kingdom, in marine kingdom, be loosed in Jesus' name. By the word of the Lord, I command you loosed in the name of Jesus Christ because he redeems your life from destruction, from destruction. You are redeemed from destruction. You are redeemed from destruction. You are redeemed from destruction. Listen carefully. You are redeemed from sicknesses and diseases. You are redeemed from poverty. You are redeemed from lack and want. You are redeemed from confusions and setbacks. You are redeemed from disappointments. You are redeemed from generational curses. You are redeemed from destruction. If that is you, receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive it by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 I believe God is setting someone free right now. I don't know what it is that the enemy has put you inside. But in the name of Jesus Christ, you are loosed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Your mind is loosed. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are loosed right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are loosed by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. He redeems your life from distractions and not that he crowns you. You know the word crown means he crowns you. He beautifies you uh, with his love and mercies. Hallelujah. He does what? 
He beautifies you with his love and his mercies. He crowns you with his loving kindness and tender mercies. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If I was I would start jumping and praising God. He beautifies you with his love and with his mercies. So let nobody despise your beauty. Let nobody tell you you are not beautiful. It's a lie. With the love of Christ at work in you, you are the most beautiful person on earth. Hallelujah. Remember one of our teachers, I said this, you cannot define love, you cannot define beauty outside love. No matter how physically you look, no matter how physically your looks, if the love of Christ is not in you, you are the most ugly person on earth. Time Magazine can say you are the most handsome man or you are the most beautiful man, woman on earth. I can say this with every confidence, with boldness. If you don't have the love of Christ in you, you are the most ugly person on earth. In fact, you are just a pure caricature. And that's the truth. It is God's love in your heart that makes you beautiful. It is God's love in your heart that makes you handsome. Not your physical looks. He crowns us. He crowns you with his loving kindness and tender mercies. His loving kindness and tender mercies. I love that. Praise the Lord. So, one of the benefits as believers is to keep appropriating his loving kindness and tender mercies. And verse 5 says that, who satisfy your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now look at Sarah. Sarah was 70 years, or is it 75 years, I believe, maybe 70 years. And she was the most beautiful when she went to Egypt. All the young girls in Egypt, all the virgins in Egypt could not compete with the beauty and the youthfulness of Sarah. She was more younger than all the young girls in Egypt. Not only younger, but more beautiful than all the beautiful girls in Egypt. That Pharaoh had no choice. You know, fell in love. And even and took her as a wife and God rebuked him in the night. Hallelujah. You are the most beautiful person on earth. You are the what? You are the most beautiful person on earth. Why? Because God's love is in your heart. And with God's love in your heart, you are the most beautiful person on earth. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, so let's 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 move on. So understanding that the love of Christ is one benefit. The love of Christ, his loving kindness, his loving devotion is one benefit you should not forget. Hallelujah. It's one benefit you should not do one, you should not forget. The loving kindness of God, the tender message of God. And the scripture said, These are crowns. You are wearing them. Just like, for example, beauty pageant, you see them wearing crowns. When the wind is oh Miss Universe or Miss America or Miss this, Miss that, they give them crowns. They wear those crowns as a symbol of what? Who they are or what they've achieved. As a believer, your crown is his loving kindness. Your, your crown is what? His loving kindness and tender mercies. 
and this crown ought to be on your head 24 7. when you are sleeping you must be wearing that crown when you wake up you must put on that crown wherever you are that crown must be seen on you hallelujah why because you are his bride you are his wife you are his bride all like the, look at look at this those who married by way of doing weddings you know have we, how many times have we worn your wedding dress some people they only wore it once they will never wear it again but you see in this kingdom the scripture see your wedding gown is his loving kindness and tender message that you must not forget you don't have to forget this crown you don't have to forget Every day you must wear your wedding gown, which is what? His loving kindness and tender message. You have to put it on. You have to put it on. You, the scripture says, and put on love. Remember Colossians chapter 3? It says, put on love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put it on. Loving kindness. Put it on 24-7. Keep wearing your wedding gown in the kingdom of God. Keep wearing your wedding garment. Your wedding garment is his loving kindness and tender message. That is your crown. That is your wedding garment. You must wear it 24-7. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his loving kindness and tender message. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his loving kindness. He forget not his crown of loving kindness and tender mercies. So don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. The church is now the church is specializing in forgiveness of sins and healing. But it's like they have forgotten this part, which is loving kindness and tender mercies. They, they are forgetting the devotional love of Christ and his tender message. Don't forget. Put it on. It is your wedding garment. It is a what? It is your wedding garment and that makes you beautiful in his sight. That makes you what? Beautiful in his sight. That makes you beautiful in his sight. Let, let me show you something. In James chapter 2, Let's go to James Gospel chapter 2. James chapter 2. You see, in the New Testament, we, we see the loving kindness of God and tender mercies of God. In the Old Testament, and you see that commandment, the second commandment, that says that thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. James, by the Holy Spirit, called that commandment the royal law. That is why we are taking the title of this message from the royal law. So, in other words, in the Old Testament, when they show love to their neighbors as themselves, it was it was accounted onto their account. It was added into their accounts as what royalties, as what royalties. So they walked in royalties when they show love to their neighbors as themselves. But you see, in the New Testament, in John chapter 14, and you see John chapter 15 and 13, he says that love you, he say love one another as I have loved you, not as you love yourself. So that makes that law a little higher. It makes the new covenant law a little higher. 
Because you are loving one another as Christ loved the church, as Christ loved you, not as yourself. All right, let's look at James. Let's just confirm that in James. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. James is after Hebrews. James is after Hebrews. You can find it there. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Let's, let's read verse 5 to 9, uh, to 10. James 2, 5 to 9. He said, How can my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him? Verse 6, But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Verse 7, do not they blaspheme that, that worthy name by which, by the which ye are called. He said they, are, they blaspheme the worthy name. That is the name of Christ by which ye are called. Verse 8, but if you fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. So James was even saying that. Even if you are not able to love your neighbor as Christ has loved you, and you even fulfill this one, the second commandment that was in the law, that love one another as yourself. He said you have even done well because that second commandment brings royalties to you. It brings what? Royalties. He said the royal law. The royal law. But we know that the New Testament law is Love one another as I have loved you. So that's what the psalmist by the Holy Spirit was telling us. Do not forget this benefit of loving kindness and tender mercies, which the Lord has crowned us with and thereby causing us to also manifest that love. He went on to say this, but if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. You see that? So, so even if you have respect for persons, you are falling under the law. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. This is where those who preach the law, they fail to teach this to their congregations or to their members. That if you break one law, if you break one commandment, ten commandments, and the other Levitical laws, you say you are guilty of them. So that was what there's, that's why there's no point in keeping the law because you can't keep the law. There are so many of them and you will keep falling. Even Do you know that your dressing, the way you dress, some of you, the way you dress, you've broken the law so, so many times by your dressing. There are some things in the, in, in the Old Testament you need to find out about dressing, the way we dress now. Most of us have broken the law. Not to talk about what comes out of our mouth. Not to talk about what we think. But you see, under the new commandment, because the love of Christ is poured into our house, because the new man is created in the image of God, in holiness and righteousness, you cannot fall under the condemnation of sin. You cannot come under the control of sin. You cannot sin again. It is your flesh that can sin. And which if you take advantage of who you are, and the love of Christ in you, it will completely dominate your flesh. 
Praise the Lord. So verse 11 says, For he that says, Do not commit adultery, also says, Do not kill. Now, if that if that commit no adultery, yet if that kill, that have become a transgressor of the law. For example, let me let me make this you know, statement that is a little bit political, but it will help you. The evangelicals says that they are pro-life. Anybody who supports you know politicians who are okay with pro-choice, they are sinning, they are they are murderers, they are killing. It is the same token. The evangelicals oppose gun controls. They do what? They oppose gun controls. But look at this. How many people are dying every single day from gun violence? How many people are being killed? Even as I'm talking to you now, women are losing their children. Innocent souls are being killed every single day through gun violence. And yet the evangelicals don't see that as a sin because they oppose that. Any reforms for gun control? No, no, no. They say that is their second commandment, uh, uh, second amendment. Is their is their right, constitutional right to bear arms? Yes. But must every criminal and mentally disturbed person have a gun? They care about those who are not yet born, but those who are already born that and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They don't care about them. They should die and go to hell. Now, the truth of the matter is that these, these babies who are being killed, and it is not right for any man to commit abortion, except medically it is dangerous. The woman, the mother might not survive. And if they have to make a call and they decide to take that pregnancy, then that one, we can't do anything if the mother's life is in danger. But intentional committing abortion is a sin. It's a sin. It's not right. But why are we, why is the church so much protecting the unborn, yet they don't want to protect those who are already born? Are you getting it? They protect, they are protecting the ones who are not yet born, but the ones who are born, who don't even know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they, the church, have to preach to the church, have to preach to and get these people born again. They don't care about them. They don't care about them. Some of these people are dying of sicknesses and diseases. They are dying of poverty. Policies that has been put in place to keep these people in bondage, to keep them suffering, to keep them making, to keep, to make life difficult for them. The church is not concerned about them. The church is not concerned about them. They are concerned about those who are not yet born. Is it not hypocrisy? What is pro-life then? You see, what is pro-life? So if we are pro-life and we care about those who are not yet born, then we should be pro-life but also caring about those who are born who are dying of sicknesses, dying of policies that has been put in place to enslave them and keep them bound. That is why so many young men are into, into drugs. That is why so many young men are into all criminalities because they see that this is the only way for them to make money, to level up. So they go that way and then they end up in God violence and the rest. So this is what the law is saying. This is what James is saying here. That if you break one of the law, you have broken others. You have committed. Listen carefully. 
Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So the church is guilty of just siding with one part of the law and leaving the other part. Showing favoritisms. The church is guilty. So that, that is why it is dangerous. We can no longer teach the law in the church. We can no longer teach the law. We have to preach Christ. We have to do what? We have to preach Christ. When we start to preach Christ, it will level out all these uh, disagreements that we have among each other. It will level it up. Because Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. So the church, the evangelicals, and other, uh, you know, uh, other denominations will begin to love even those who are not in the church they will begin to love them as Christ has loved those in the church. And that is how we can get rid of sin. That is how we can get rid of what? That is how we can get rid of sin. Not to vote for somebody in the White House who is a pastor. You can send a pastor to the White House and people will still be committing sin. People will still commit ab ab uh, abortion. People will still kill. People will still murder. People will still use all kinds of drugs and all kinds of things. No amount of political policies can change the heart of a man. It is the preaching of Christ. He crucified and risen and alive forevermore. It is the preaching of Christ that will change a man's heart, not laws. If human laws could change a man's heart, they will not need there will not be any need for Christ to die on the cross for us. Hallelujah. So th this is something that the church should begin to stay along this line. That if you are guilty of one, if you offend one, you've broken the whole law. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all of them. You are guilty of all of them. Hallelujah. But the scripture called the second, co the second commandment that was given in the law as a royal law. Now, how much more the law, the New Testament law, that is the love one another as Christ has loved you. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to conclude by showing this mystery. Please listen carefully in these few minutes left. I want to conclude by showing you this mystery. It will, it will change everything about your life. In Ephesians chapter 3, we have used this scripture so many times. But I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3 and I want you to say something. To know God, to understand God, it will take the understanding of his love to understand God. Hallelujah. If I was to ask a question right now, how many of you truly want to know God? You want to see God face to face. You want to see Jesus face to face. You want to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I know everybody will raise their hands. Amen. If I was to say how many of you really want to understand God more, almost everybody will raise their hands. But let me tell you the easiest way to know God, the easiest way to know God is to understand his love. Can you write that statement down as a comment? The easiest way to know God the Father, to know Jesus Christ, to know the Holy Spirit, is to understand the love of Christ. 
Please write this down as a comment. It's very important. If you want to know God, if you want to understand the Father, if you want to know the Father, if you want to walk in the knowledge of the Father, if you want to have more knowledge about the Father, more knowledge about the Holy Spirit, more knowledge about Jesus Christ, then only one thing will open that knowledge to you. First, understand the love of the Father. Understand the love of Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, let me, let me also ask another question before we read Ephesians 3. For example, if there is any, if you consider a man of God so powerful, so anointed, let's say the most powerful anointed man of God in our generation right now, an opportunity was given to him, maybe he was about to go to heaven, and everybody knew that he was about to go to heaven, and that they given an opportunity to pray for us as a church. What do you think his prayer for us would be? Or for example, you put let's let's say you you are the most powerful man of God on earth. You are the most anointed man of God on earth. You are the most knowledgeable man of God here on earth. That you know your time has come. You want to go. To, you are about to go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have to pray one prayer for your congregation, one prayer for your children, one prayer for the people who are around you who have been working with you. What would, what would that prayer point be? What prayer are you going to pray for them? I'm giving you one minute, one second to think about that. You are so anointed, you are so powerful that you have to pray one prayer for your family, for your children, for the people working with you, for your church before you depart to heaven, before you make it to heaven, before you live here on earth to heaven. What prayer will you pray? Or they ask you, okay, uh, our father and the Lord, our daddy, our papa, our mentor, our spiritual father, you are about to leave. You are about to go to heaven. We want you to pray for the next generation, the, the, the generation yet unborn. Pray for them. As, as that man, as that woman, what is the prayer you are going to pray for them? People of God, that was how, what happened to Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. That was what happened to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. But I want you to say, he prayed Ephesians chapter 1 before he prayed Ephesians chapter 3. And Ephesians chapter 3, look at what Paul prayed this. Paul said after he has heard about the church in Ephesus, after he has seen their, their faith in Christ, look at what Paul said to them. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 13 going, he said, therefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. He said, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul was praying for this church. He said, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. So Paul was praying for this church in Ephesus, praying for the next generation, praying for the next apostles, the next teachers, the next pastors, the next prophets, the next uh, 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 workers in the church, the next evangelists that are going to spread the word of God, 
that are going to take the word of God to the next generation. He was praying for them that number one, they will be strengthened in their spirit man. That Christ will dwell in their spirit by faith. And that they will be rooted and grounded in love. Did you see that? Look at verse 17. The last two uh, words. Being rooted and grounded in love. So Paul is praying for this church. Knowing that his time was about to end. But he is praying that the church will be grounded and rooted in love. Paul didn't say, I pray that you will continue to receive power. Fire will continue to fall upon you. You will continue to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. You will continue to be rich. You will continue to prosper. No, he didn't pray that. That was not what came out of the mouth of Paul. And it was the Holy Ghost that was directing the words of Paul. It was who? The Holy Ghost. That is why I ask you, that if you were to see the Holy Ghost, if you want to know the Holy Ghost, if you want to know Christ Jesus, if you want to know the Father, all one thing is important. Understand the love of Christ or understand the love of the Father. You will know the Holy Spirit easily. <clears throat> you will know Christ easily. You will know the Father easily. That is what Paul prayed. Paul said that they will be rooted and grounded in love. Why? Because it is the most important virtue of our Christian walk. Write this down as a statement. The love of Christ is the most important virtue of our Christian walk. Write this as a comment. The love of Christ is the most important virtue of our Christian life. It is the commandment given to us. That is what Paul prayed, that they will be grounded and rooted in love. So here we didn't see any anointing, we didn't see riches, we didn't see uh, power, we didn't see all of this. But his emphasis was on love, that they will be grounded and rooted, rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18, he said, may be able to comprehend with all sense what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Now, if you read this in uh, New Living Translation, he says, like, he put it like this. L let me read it from New Living Translation, verse 18. He said, and, and may you have the power to understand. Listen carefully. He said, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide how long, how high, and how deep is his love? And how deep his love is. You see that? You see, Paul is praying for a particular power to come upon this generation that he was about to leave. To come upon this church that he was about to leave. And Paul was not praying for anything that you and I are thinking right now. He said that you will have the power to understand together with all, together with God's people, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Oh man. 
So you need power to understand how deep the love of God is. You need power to understand how wide the love of God is. You need power to understand how wide, how long, how deep the love of God is. Man, that is the prayer Paul the Great pray for the church. That's the prayer Paul the Great pray for the church. Hallelujah. And you have the power to understand as God's people show how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Praise the Lord. And when he said that, when he said you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is, the next statement, Paul repeated something so profound in the next statement. He said, and to know the love. That's verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. That was the prayer Paul left for this generation. The love of Christ. To understand the love of Christ. Man, there's no prayer more powerful that you can ever live for any generation than praying that they will understand how deep the love of Christ is. That they will understand how wide the love of Christ is. That they will understand how long the, the love of Christ is. They will understand how deep the love of Christ is. Let me tell you something. The scripture says that who can search God, who can search as God's perfection, who, who can understand God, especially when you go to the book of Job, you see it there. He said, who can understand God? Who can set you out? Who can do this? Who can find you? Who can do this? Let me tell you something. Do you want to find God? Do you want to search out God? Do you want to know his secret? Do you want to know God? Then pray to understand how deep his love for you is. Pray to understand how deep the love of God is. How deep the love of God is. How deep the love of God. Pray to understand this. Let, 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 me, let me read Job 11 verse 8. You can write it down. Job 11 verse 8. He said, they are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the shore. What can you know? This is talking about knowing God. And then he went on to say this in Job uh, 11, 7 to 8. He said, can thou, he said, can thou by searching find out God? He said, by you searching, can you find out God? Can thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? He said, can you find out God? Can you find it unto perfection? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The love of Christ is deep. The love of Christ is wide. The love of Christ is long. The love of Christ is wide, is high, is long, is deep. And that is the prayer Paul prayed that the church should understand 
and should know. And Paul is saying to us that when we come to the point of knowing how long his love is, how wide his love is, his love is, how high his love is, how deep his love is. He said, when we come to that point, then we will understand his love that surpasses knowledge. And when we understand his love, then we will be filled with God. We will be filled with the fullness of God. That's what verse 19 says. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So if you want to be full of God, listen carefully. If you want to be full of God, then you must understand how long his love is, how high his love is, how wide his love is, how deep his love is. And that was the prayer Paul prayed for the church. That was the prayer for prayer for the church. The, the powerful prayer you can never pray is, Lord, I want to understand your love. I want to understand how deep your love is. I want to understand how wide your love is. I want to understand how long your love is. I want to understand how high your love is. His love for you is wide. His love for you is long. His love for you is high. His love for you is deep. Seek to understand it and you'll be filled with God. You'll be full of God. You'll be full of his glory. You'll be full of his power. You'll be full of his anointing. You'll be full of his wisdom. You'll be full of his riches. You'll be full of his honor. You'll be full of God. He says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You will be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, this is what separate men from the children from children in their kingdom. Children will be praying for fire. But men will be praying to understand how deep his love is. This love is deep. His love for you is deep. His love for you is not on the surface. His love for you cannot be found on the surface. His love for you is not one kilometer. It's not two kilometers. It's wide. It's long. It's high. And when you understand that his love for you is high, that you cannot reach it, his love for you is wide, is deep, is long, the scripture says you will be filled with all his fullness, with all his fullness, with all his fullness. Man, so his love, understanding his love, fills you up with his presence, with his glory with his power, with his fire. Hallelujah. Never forget this. Never forget this. Never forget this. This is serious. Never forget this. Paul was about to finish. He was about to leave this earth. And this was the prayer he prayed for the church. This was the prayer he prayed for the church that the church will understand the love of the Father. That is because he knows once the church understands his love, once the church is grounded and rooted in the love, is rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, then we will be filled with the fullness of God. When we are filled with the fullness of God, miracles becomes a way of life. Miracles still becomes our natural experience. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
the new international version says that you have power to understand the love of Christ, how long and how wide it is. In verse 19, he went on to say this in verse 19, that you may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of the life and power that comes from God. You see that? That you will be made complete, what? With the fullness of the life and the power that comes from God. So when you understand his love, you will be made complete with the fullness and with the power that comes from God. Do you want the fullness of his life? Do you want the fullness of his power? Then pray to understand how deep his love for you is. How long his love for you is. How wide his love for you is. And how high his love for you is. That is how you will walk in the fullness of God. That is how you will walk in the fullness of God. That is how you will walk in the fullness of God. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. I know that if you have been following these messages, listen to these messages, going back and listen to them again and again and again, I know and I believe that by now, you are already filled with the fullness of God. You are already saturated with the fullness of God. It is his love that brings you to the fullness of God. It is, it is understanding his love, how deep his love for you is. It is not on the surface. So let no man deceive you. That is why he told David, even under the old covenant, that even if they sin against me, for my love for them, I will not utterly take it from them. I will not utterly take it from them. That is why I began by reading Psalms 89 verse 33 for you. To understand the power of his love. To understand the power of his love. He cries you with his love. He cries you with his love. His love is your garment. His love is your beauty. His love is your garment. His love is your beauty. His love brings you to his fullness. His love causes you to walk in his fullness. So begin to understand how deep his love is for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So for Paul to pray this prayer and not say any other thing, but his emphasis was on the love of Christ, that the church will be rooted in God's love, the church will be grounded in God's love, and that the church will understand how deep the love of Christ is, how wide the love of Christ is, how high the love of Christ is. That's a serious prayer. That's a prayer we need to be praying today for ourselves. That's a prayer the church needs to be praying. And because the church is not praying this prayer, the church has become a political party. Huh? That's true. Because the church is not praying this prayer, that is why the church has become a political party. So they only preach to themselves. They cannot preach to non-believers out there. They can't win more souls. Because the church is not a political party. We don't understand how deep the love of Christ is. We don't understand how wide his love is. We don't understand how high his love is. 
how long his love is. So because of that, we are not filled with the fullness of God, with the power and the glory of God to go out there and manifest it to the world. That says, anyone who loves me and keep my commandments, I and my father will come and will make our abode in him. He said, we will come and dwell in him, make our abode in him. We will manifest ourselves to him. Let that be your prayer. The Father, I want to understand how wide your love is for me. I want to understand how long your love is. I want to understand how high your love is. I want to understand how deep your love is for me so that I will be rooted and grounded in this love that I might be filled with all your fullness. Hallelujah. So we cannot know God deep. God is too, God is a mysterious God. We, we are still discovering him every single day. But the shortest way to know God and to discover more about him and to go deep in him, to go, to, to go deep in God is to seek for his love, to seek to understand his love. When you seek to understand God's love, you will go deep in God. You will go high in God. You will go long in God. You will understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God is. So that is how to know God. That is how to know God. You know God through his love. By understanding his love, he takes you deep. He takes you deep. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So anybody who wants, listen carefully, spiritual gifts are not indication of knowing God. Oh, oh yes. And, look, and spiritual gifts are only for people. They are to benefit people, not you. You will need to know God. You will need to know God. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. I want to pray this short prayer. The Father, I want to know your love. I want to understand your love. I want to understand how deep your love is for my life. I want to understand how high your love is for my life. I want to understand how wide your love is for my life. Lift up your voice and pray that prayer. Pray that prayer right now in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now, if you have been watching right now, you've been listening to us, You've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You cannot understand how deep his love is. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your love today in my heart. You are the beloved of the Father. I receive you into my heart. And by this confession, I know I am born again. I am not in the beloved. Thank you for accepting me into your love. Now help me to understand your love. How deep your love how wide your love, how long your love is for me. I receive it in Jesus' name. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you have prayed this prayer, please let us know that you gave your life to Christ listening to this broadcast, and we will reach out unto you and help you grow in your faith. Hallelujah. Please do me a favor, share, share this message with your friends host uh, watch parties invite your friends 
to watch with you. Take note, all the points that were highlighted, take note. Go back again, listen to this series. I don't, I think we have about more than 30 teachings on the love of the Father. Go back and watch all of them. Listen to them over and over again. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Not just one time. You keep hearing it until it becomes part of you. If I was, if look, if I were in your shoes, I would cup myself with messages that talks about God's love. So that in no time, I will be manifesting that love wherever I find myself. In Jesus' precious name. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name. This week is declared blessed. You will encounter great favor. You will meet men and women that will matter to your destiny. Wherever you find yourself this week, the favor of God will locate you. You will be distinguished in Jesus' name. You will be at the right place at the right time this week. In the name of Jesus Christ. Peace. Shalom. Thank you for joining us. And join us again next week as we go into the word of life. In Jesus' name. Peace. Shalom.